Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. We're talking about living with psychosis because it's something that very few of us know much about or understand until you find yourself living with or living with a family member who's dealing with a psychotic episode. Connor is with us on the programme today because, Connor, you have actually lived this experience. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Hi, how's things? Uh, I have actually, yeah. So I would have had a psychotic episode at the age of 15 there uh, about 10 years ago at this stage now. And uh, since then, I've just been recovering and trying to live the best I can, really. And um, yeah, it's been ups and downs, but overall, like it's, it's it's going well. Yeah. When when you say you you lived with it, can you can you bring us back to that time um, and tell us how like how well what happened that that you? So it would have been just um, delusions, I guess. So delusional thinking at the time there, and um, eventually, you know, paranoia, and maybe led into a hospitalisation then around Christmas time. Uh, of that year and uh, my my family kind of made the decision then to kind of bring me into A&E and um, that's kind of I went from there and I was in the service cams there which uh, was actually very helpful at the time to get me get, get me back into um, into school and everything afterwards and like it, it was obviously tough at the time mm-hmm. but like looking back now it was it was probably the, the right decision to go in. When did it take long to receive the diagnosis Connor? So I have a diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder, which is basically a mood disorder, which can lead to psychosis as well. Um, but that maybe would have been about four or five years later when I actually got maybe a concrete diagnosis like that. And that can be a thing for people to get actual concrete diagnosis like that. It can be, it can help because it makes treatment a bit easier sometimes. Yeah. Um, Lisa's with us on the line too, Connor, because Lisa, you also have a lived experience um, of psychosis. Can can you tell us what it was like for you? Hi, Andrea. Um, you? Sorry, that I was a bit late. No, okay, no problem. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I had a very, very confusing experience, to be honest. I was away in Italy and it was just kind of after kind of coming out of the pandemic and lockdown. Um, and just kind of quite suddenly I started to hallucinate and um, think that people were after me or following me and I thought there was something happening with my phone and technology and I was very very scared and worried Um, so it was it was quite a scary experience when I was going through it and I didn't know what was what was going on. Um, Were you aware that you were hallucinating Lisa at the time? Like no, no, no. I actually thought um, because some of my hallucinations were on screens, so kind of on my iPad and my phone and my TV, and I thought that people were controlling them. Um, so I, I wasn't aware that this was a hallucination, or I, it felt real at the time. To be honest. So you came home, and what was the next? Like when you spoke to your parents and family about this, what what did you do then? Oh well, well to be honest, I was still I was still in Italy because I was living there at the time. So okay, sorry, um, yeah. they they were getting a lot of confused phone calls from me and messages, and nobody could really understand what was happening. But um, but one of my friends, um, Jessica, was actually really good. She kind of she thought I was hallucinating and going through something. So she actually um, was the one who said that I should go to the hospital. That I needed I needed the doctor's help. Um, so, so they kind of directed me to the hospital, but it actually took a few kind of, I had to go in a few times before they realised what was going on because it's quite hard to detect. I'm sure it's very, it's a, it's, it's very frightening as well. And, you know, even, even receiving the diagnosis too, Lisa. 
Yeah, well, to, to be honest, I didn't really understand when when I when I was diagnosed. I, what I, it means, I, yeah, yeah, because I hadn't heard of it. Um, so I, I hadn't heard of it. And I like I would have thought I knew quite a lot about mental health, but I didn't really know. So I I thought when they said psychosis, I thought, oh, that's just that's just an excuse for what's happening because I thought something was going on. You see. Um, so, so it's it's kind of hard to comprehend when you're going through it. Well, that's what that's what I mean. Like I, I am because well, I think a lot of people know very little about psychosis or psychotic episodes, and 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 mm-hmm. then to get the I suppose a diagnosis about something that you nearly don't really truly or fully understand, like like many of us don't. I imagine that can be frightening just by way of it's there being a lack of understanding nearly yeah. around it. Yeah, definitely. Like um, you know, it it took, but I was quite unwell for about five or six months um, and then it kind of gradually I kind of got my head around it but you know there is kind of this feeling of I don't know kind of shame or embarrassment that you feel like there's something wrong but you know it's it's just it's mm-hmm. just another type of illness really and um, it's just less understood I suppose. Do, do you feel that Connor? Did, did you feel there was a stigma associated with it? Yeah, definitely there is, and, a, and maybe a lack of understanding as well, as Lisa said. And um, I guess there's a, there's a kind of an expectation to to recover quickly as soon as you're out of hospital. And I guess it's not really that simple, especially if you have a, a mood disorder like myself, trying to focus maybe on college work and, and work as well, and just trying to fit back into society after you're hospitalised can be a long road. And it's not not as kind of a quick fix as some people think it might be, you know. Karen O'Connor, um, Lisa and Connor is, is with us here as well. Karen is a consultant psychiatrist and uh, the national lead in the early intervention psychosis clinical programme. Karen, thank you for, for joining us on the show today. Why is there such a lack of understanding around psychosis here? Um, I think that, that while our kind of general knowledge about mental health and mental illness has improved kind of across society, psychosis is one of the areas that, that there isn't a great understanding around. I think what when people know something about it, it's often from movies and and often in those kind of contexts, it can be portrayed in a really negative, frightening way, um, which doesn't doesn't accurately reflect kind of people's actual lived experience of it. Um, and so I think it's it's brilliant to hear people like Connor and Lisa speaking to you, you know, um, yeah. because that makes that makes all the difference. It's much easier for us to get our head around things when we talk to people who've actually lived through it rather than kind of hearing about it, you know, in the distance. I think that's that's a, an important, you know, phrase in it too. lived through it and, and live yeah. with it. And, and, and Lisa, for you and Connor, I mean, you're, you're you know, you're, you're living with it. You've moved on. Like, how are you now, Lisa? Um, to be honest, I'm I'm doing quite good. I have I have some bad days, but I think everyone does. And you know, I'm just quite conscious that I I I want to stay well, and I know that relapses can happen. So I'm quite conscious that I want to kind of look after myself and um and try to stay healthy. But but generally, I'm doing I'm doing quite well, especially kind of since the last I'd say since last September October, I've been consistently well which is which is great um so yeah I'm working and and studying and you know I'm able to kind of move on with things and you just kind of 
you just have to hope that you can stay healthy. Yeah. Really. Well, that's that's the point, I suppose, Karen. And I, I think I'm thinking of people today in 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 you know family circumstances where somebody has maybe had a recent diagnosis or or going through this, and for family members and parents, I've I've no doubt it's 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 a frightening uh, yeah. and a daunting experience, but it is something that's manageable. Yeah, absolutely. No, people people recover from psychosis. We need to talk about that more. We need to hold hope for people because, you know, the vast majority of people make a recovery. I suppose one of the challenges is, though, because there is some stigma around this, there's significant stigma, and because it's poorly understood, then sometimes that also impacts on the investment that goes into the services that are available for people. So, you know, um, the early intervention and psychosis program we're trying to develop new services um, that make sure that people have a range get access to a, a range of evidence-based interventions so medication can play an important role at the beginning and for some people ongoing but but currently a lot of people really struggle to get access to psychological support which is really important specialist psychological support can really support people to, to recover and then also um, support for their families so so in early intervention and psychosis teams we have psychological support we have family support, we have employment support because that's the other bit. Sometimes the focus is all on the symptoms and obviously you have to help to address the symptoms and make life you know, more manageable for somebody um, and ideally get rid of the symptoms but actually it's a much bigger picture than that. People's recovery isn't just about symptoms, it's about getting back to their life getting back to their friends, getting back to their relationships, their work. You know, so I think in it's really important that, that, that we continue to try and develop this full range of supports for people, just not a very, very narrow range. Yeah. And that also that people are more and more aware that, that hope and recovery is completely possible and we yeah. should expect it. Connor, how, how are you doing at the moment and how are you living with it? I, I'm actually doing quite well, yeah. yeah. Uh, quite consistent now for the last few months. And um, But as Lisa said, it's kind, of, it's kind of in the back of your mind that, you know, you kind of have to stay well and keep yourself well. And um, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of an ongoing thing that you kind of just have to look out for yourself and mind yourself. Um, and that... No, go on. You can, no, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to, oh, to cut across <laughs> you. Yeah, sorry. No worries. And I suppose, yeah. No, go on. No, Karen, I just wanted to bring you in just on a maybe on a final point on this for for people listening today because there's some emails that have come in since we mentioned yeah. uh, at the start of the show we were going to chat about it. For... For parents um, and for, for people currently with a diagnosis and parents of kids that have recently received a diagnosis, like at the early stages of this, um, what like what's your advice to people or what, what do you say to, to parents? Um, I suppose, I suppose to, to, it can be really, really difficult. It's really, really difficult for families and the individual in the acute phase. Um, I think holding on to hope, informing yourself, finding out information. Um, you know, there are really good resources out there, for example, in the community Shine. Shine's an excellent organisation that provides information and education and also support um, programmes for family members and for individuals as well. Um, in the mental health services, there are some excellent services. I know the mental health services get a, a terrible rap, unfortunately, but actually there are a lot of excellent services out there. Um, and so link in with your GP and then link in with what, whatever service that the family member is attending and, and ask them, you know, what, what mm. do we need to know? What, what supports are available? Um, and often there are supports 
specifically yeah. for family members and around others, it. And siblings, you know, in the family. Exactly. Even yeah. too. And Ka- children sometimes. Yeah. Karen, yeah. I, I appreciate your, your time today in the programme and, and in particular, as you mentioned to, to Lisa and Connor as well for sharing your experience with us too today. I've, uh, I've no doubt for, for people um, it is very beneficial to hear uh, those with lived experience actually talking and, and highlighting the issue too. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.